0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Muscal and Andrew Scott.
3: From Postcard from the Past and the award-winning Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is a place where we celebrate azure skies, red-jumpered schoolboys and oversized black cats as we investigate old picture postcards. Their messages and their images take us from banality to heartbreak via kind wishes and weather reports. And we explore what it is that causes us to keep hold of these little cardboard rectangles. Each time now, I welcome one guest, and it's their postcards that act as small clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and stories. I'm Tom Jackson. I'm delighted to say that today my guest on the podcast is curator at the Victorian Albert Museum in London, Ella Ravilius. Ella, welcome to Podcasts from the Past. Thank you. Now, Ella specialises in design at the VNA, a fantastic place to work. And at the same time, she's currently completing a PhD in photographic history at De Montfort University, Leicester. Now, attentive listeners will recognise Ella's surname. And yes, she is the granddaughter of painter-illustrator Eric Revillius, and daughter, and more importantly, I suppose, today, of photographer James Revillius. So she is steeped professionally, personally, in her blood, in the visual arts. Ella joins us today bearing, I think that's an EX1819. a bit smudged, that postmark. Where's that?
4: So I'm talking about Dalton in Devon. Ah. Uh, so it's North Devon. But it's not near the coast. Oh, okay. It's a small rural community, uh, kind of off the tourist trail. Um, and is, it's this, where, is this where you grew up? This is where I grew up. It's where I was born. Wow. Uh, so we lived there until I was seven, uh, and then we moved to another village uh, about eight or nine miles away. Right. So it's still it's North definitely, Devon. Yeah, definitely my roots.
3: And is that a place that still means a lot to you now?
4: Absolutely. I still have family there, and it still feels like home. And there have been a lot of changes, obviously, since um, since I grew up there. But um, yeah, it's still a very special place, and still an area of North Devon that not many people know.
3: Right, because people tend to gravitate to the coast, I suppose. Uncle yeah. Door and
4: yeah, yeah, it's a little bit hard to find.
3: Oh, well, maybe you like it that way. <laughs> But I think we're also gonna we're going to be returning there, aren't we? Because I think it's tied in with your father's work, if I've got this right.
4: Yes, very much so. That's
3: correct. Excellent. Well, let uh, we'll get to that shortly. Mm-hmm. Before I go any further, Ella, do you still send postcards?
4: Uh yes, yes, I do. Um, to mainly to the older generation, to yes. to older friends of mine. Keep
3: them happy, you know. <laughs> From your holidays or.
4: Uh, just, I mean, I have such a stash. Probably not as big a stash, perhaps, as you have, but certainly I've collected many over the years. And
3: there's, of, of the kind that you are ready to send if required, sort of put your hand in the box and take one out, is it? Or...
4: Yeah, well, I take care to choose them. Yes, and, um, that's a big part of it, I think, <laughs> choo- choice. Through a friend, I've become very interested in old museum postcards. Ah. Uh, so I've developed a bit of a, um, not quite a collection, but certainly a, a group of those. I like there is an interesting much. field, isn't
3: it, museum cards?
4: Yeah, so my friend um, Professor Elizabeth Edwards is the huge specialist on museum postcards.
3: Is she... she writing something about the British Museum cards in particular?
4: Yes, I think yes. I've come
3: across. It. <laughs> Very, yeah, that's a, it's a fascinating story because the government is often involved in this. It's government postcards, aren't they?
4: Certainly, yeah, and they've really shaped the view of the museum for people who can't visit. Uh, but they've also shaped uh, which. Objects in the museum become iconic to right. our museum. Right,
3: create a sort of pantheon of, of, of exhibits yeah. and, and objects. Yeah, well. uh, but
4: it's specifically which ones are our sort of iconic, favourite ones. Right, it's partly sort of based on which ones we had a <laughs> happened to have photographed yeah. and happened to make a postcard of yes. and happened to be become sort of known about in the public consciousness as being at the V&A or
3: at the british museum and some things photograph better than others don't they or no?
4: absolutely yeah though i would say our in-house photographers at the vna were and are incredibly skilled we were one of the first places to have in-house photography studio right. in-house team our first photographer was appointed in 1856 Goodness me! To to photograph museum objects, uh, and it was something we really at the VNA. and
3: a v and is pretty brand new. That eighty was
4: absolutely yep. <laughs>
3: That's interesting. I suppose. Well, it, perhaps it's to some extent part of the same project. You set up the museum, you get the photographer. It's all part of the new the new notion of. Uh, I don't know, uh, celebrating the the, celebrating the empire as it was, but uh, the finest elements of it.
4: Well, it all came out of the Great Exhibition. In fact, it was the same photographer who'd worked for the first director during the Great Exhibition, and the V&A grew out of the Great Exhibition anyway. So they just just, (laughs) yeah. So they just formalised an arrangement that you know a friend that they already had. Though interestingly, we were the first place. uh, We were very early in having a, a woman head photographer of the studio. Really? So this first photographer, Charles Thurston Thompson, dies in 1868 and his sister takes over.
0: <laughs> and she, the family.
4: she runs the studio Brilliant. for, I don't know, 20 years or so. Right. Uh, so a friend of mine, Erica Lederman, is doing a lot of research into her at the moment because she was completely unknown in the record. And d- we discovered that, um, yeah, we had this very early woman photographer oh, running the place. What a great thing to discover. Yeah.
3: And you, you're quite involved in paper archives at the museum. So presumably you can get hold of her photographs and have a look at them, can you? Is that something you can do?
4: Yeah, I've worked at the VNA for a long time. I've worked there about 18 years yeah. and I used to work a lot with storage and digitisation. Yeah. So I've moved everything, I've looked at everything. <laughs>
3: Not only have you seen it, you know how heavy it is. <laughs> exactly,
4: exactly. Uh, which is fantastic. I've got, you know, such riches in my mind's eye from really? things that I've seen in the collection.
3: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, yes. Museum postcards. I I, I shall look at them differently from now on. (laughs) Now, before we see and hear about the cards that Ella's brought along, I'll give you a quick one of mine. This is, of course, a a postcard from the past style card, like I do on Twitter and in the book. And let's start with this one. Um, This is has something that appeals to me. It's a multi-view, various images on one card... Um, rather faded sort of colors there was uh, I think they're probably black and white images that have been color uh, hand colored at some stage not this is a, uh, a color printed card but um, the original images were probably black and white and it's greetings from Croydon um, it's a place I have uh, spent uh, r- rather too many years really um, this is from 1966 it's sent from Croydon and it's sent to Swansea and the, the frank on it actually is a sort of um, special one. It's, for, it's to do a Dr. Bernardo's uh, homes, and it's celebrating a hundred years of Dr. Bernardo's homes from eighteen sixty-six. So the card is quite old, but it's taking you back another hundred years on the on the um, on the frank. And um, I suppose it, the bit of the message that amused me is uh, was there's a couple of things. Really, it says, "Dear all, this is to Mr. and Mrs. Bevan and family." Uh, That's a good Welsh name. Dear all. Having a wonderful time. This is a grand spot for a holiday. And there's three exclamation marks. Now, I like Croydon, but I'm not sure everyone would go along with that. And anyway, then um, John, Margaret and Michael, who are writing this, they say, wrong address on three previous attempts. Hope this reaches you okay. So I don't quite know how that works. I mean, they've... They've tried three times to send cars from Croydon and somehow they found out that they didn't get... Maybe they've been returned. I, I don't know. Would that happen? You get, like, not known at this address or something? Yep. But they persist. <laughs> they keep going. And, and they really wanted to, to, to tell Mr. and Mrs. Bevan and family that Wandle Park, about two images of Wandle Park, and then Grange Park Lake and Coombe Cliff Gardens and the parish church, was a grand spot for a holiday. There you go, that message had to get through. So um, Maybe it's a tri- the triumph of persistence, I don't know. Um, i do another quick one. This is a, perhaps somewhere you'd expect rather more of a postcard. Blackpool, again, a multi-view. Uh, again, probably black and white images. I'm not com- sure of that, actually. Uh, they've certainly come out of colour on this card, but um, I'm, re- I'm removing a post-it note, that's what that sound is. And this is 1962, posted in Yorkshire, actually, uh, Shipley. And it's sent to Aberford in Hampshire. I don't know, Aber- or, mm. don't know. it doesn't sound quite right that. But anyway, yeah. in Hampshire, certainly. Yeah. Uh, sent to Mr Dennis. Um, looks a bit like the postcard might be printed by Dennis, I'm not sure. And it says, uh, let's see what... Uh, oh, yes, um, some of the details in- intrigued me. Really. Dear R, R Dennis, many thanks for parcel and letter. Sorry you've been kept so busy. Would happen like that, wouldn't it? it nice chatty, chatty style. Dad was pleased with his onion news. Um, what happened about the gardens and shallots? <laughs> Thanks for watering the plants. and Please don't worry over them. Love from us. At something. We're here today. Dad and Ernie. So there you are. So dad, was, dad was pleased to hear something about the onions. Maybe they're coming through well. I don't, I don't know. And, of course, when you're away, having someone water your plants, that's a universal anxiety, isn't it? You, know, <laughs> you go away at just the time when they could dry out and get spoilt. Anyway, no, I should uh, remind everyone listening to the podcast, images of these cards, uh, my cards, Ella's cards, any cards we mention, uh, will be on the show notes, postcardfromthepast.co.uk. So you can see that these are real. Uh, Now, Ella, you have brought along two cards. Um, Which one of these do you think we should start with?
4: I'm going to start with this one. okay? As it's an earlier image. Right. And both of these are connected to my father, uh, though he only um, composed one of them. Right. So he became a photographer having incidentally seen a show of Henry Cartier-Bresson's work at the V&A and right. been blown away, dashed out by a camera.
3: This is what happens when you yeah. go a good exhibition.
4: <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then he moved to North Devon with my mother and he started photographing. And there was a local archive called the Beeford Archive right. that um, gave him a job to document the the local um, area. And it was a very small uh, local area. It's sort of 30 miles um sort of chunk... And this is like a
3: job thing. on a wage kind of thing?
4: Yeah. Not, not, not a huge wage, no, but, but they, a wage. Yes, um, And the archive is still going and it still owns his work. Um, but he actually created two archives. So he started taking his own photographs just of people and life and what was going on in that neighbourhood. But he went... In 1975, he went to a local WI meeting in one of the villages and he was invited to speak and also invited to judge the most interesting old photo competition. Oh. And he was so... Must have been right up his street. Well, yeah, he was so incredibly interested by what people brought that he thought, gosh, these should be documented.
3: Yes, yes These should yes. be
4: recorded. Now, this was in 1975. It was before um, digital photography. So he started borrowing people's old photographs in the community and he got a copy stand and was taking, making new photographs right. of all these photographs and recording the information, the, the details about who was in them. And what was great about this was that the, so the old archive, the images he was digitising, date from about the 1880s to the 1930s. And then he himself was photographing the same community in the 1970s. Yes, yes. So every so often you'd get the same people...
3: Me. ...turning
4: up as babies or young men in the old archive. continuity. And he's taking them as elderly ladies and gentlemen. So it's this incredibly rich archive. And what's great about it is that he and all his colleagues that started to help, um, particularly George Tucker recorded the names of the people yes. in the photographs yes. which is incredibly rare to have. So for this post postcard uh, actually written on it it just says Shoeing, Dalton Forge North Devon 1914. So it doesn't say who's in the photograph.
3: So this is one that he's that's been brought along and he's he's taken another picture he's taken yeah. a, in much the way your photographers at the museum would take photographs of Exactly. images.
4: Yeah. Wow,
3: it's a great picture in itself though, isn't it? <laughs>
4: Well, I like it, but the thing is, without the names of the people and in the format of a postcard, it's conjuring up a bit of an archetype, a bit of a stereotype. Yes, yes. But once you the know... The nostalgia card. Exactly, yes. exactly. But once you know the names of the people and yes. some of their stories, yes. it becomes something different.
3: Gives things more um, uh, edges and corners and a little bit more real.
4: Absolutely. And be- it suddenly becomes specific. So but I... he captured it. He did he capture it. He saved it
3: from obscurity.
4: And he recorded the names, they're just not on the postcard oh, itself. Oh, I see. OK, so they do exist. So this is, from left to right, it's Robert Hurd, John Hurd and Ernest Hurd, three wow. brothers. yes. And at the end, uh, shoeing the horse, is Reuben Clements. And uh, the dog, the dog is called Ship, used to fetch the nails. Reuben Clements was the, <laughs> the, the the local blacksmith in Dalton. Wow. And...
3: Did you know this building?
4: I don't know the building, No. But it, it was the, yeah, it was the forge. Uh, he lived in Pear Tree Cottage, which is oh, just up the way, very which nice. is still there. Um, and his family are still in the, in the village. He's, he has now passed. But my dad photographed Reuben many times. So he turns up, there's about 30 different images of him in the old archive. And dad photographed him um, in the 70s as a, as a much older man, obviously. So
3: he was photographing um, in a sort of split timeline.
4: Yes. Yeah,
3: very interesting. That's time travel, isn't it? For real. Yeah, because you're just seeing things in two different ways at once.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I I was born in 1980, and I remember some of these people as very, very yes. elderly people, <laughs> and to suddenly come across them in the old archive as young men and women was just yes. blew my mind. It was just incredible to me. Um, but
3: and it brings them to life in a way that, as you say, a sort of um, an image that could be interpreted as cozy or nostalgic yeah. it actually deadens the senses a bit but if you know who these people are it yeah. does there is something very different you know their you know hopes and fears
4: well exactly and because he this particular guy Reuben Clements was documented so much in both archives particularly in the old archive um, you get a sense of who he was like I, yes. we, and and he his was the kind of life that isn't normally recorded yeah. Uh, you know, he lived in a small village. Um, he was the blacksmith. He was also a champion bell ringer in Dalton. <laughs> How and... did he become a champion? Though, right? <laughs> well, they, they, it was a, the competitions between the villages were oh, a, a big deal.
3: You just get the rhythm and you get it right.
4: Yeah, it was very. It was a big event, very competitive. Um, there are photos of him uh, with the bell ringing team, several photos, oh. and one of them sat inside the bell.
3: Of, lovely, lovely. Uh, so, from the old days, or from the from the
4: old days. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it was a really big deal. And he's also, there's great photos of him at Dalton Carnival, dressed up. They did really, really elaborate costumes. So the, one of the sisters of these brothers here, the um, Heard brothers, their sister used to make these incredible carnival costumes. Wow. And these were made into a set of postcards by the village news agent and photographer, yes, yes. Jay Dillon, and I love this set of photographs. So this set of postcards, so much. So that,
3: you've got a copy of those, have you?
4: unfortunately I don't. You have access to. I, 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 <laughs> I can see them digitally, but otherwise I would have brought those right, too. Right, right. But uh, and, and Dalton Carnival still continues. I was taken there as a child. Right. And you know, did you have a costume? The, <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> Not quite as good as what Emily Heard could make. Oh. Well. But <laughs> it's documenting this stuff that just you wouldn't see otherwise. Yes. But I was also really interested why. Why you would send this postcard, or why you would who who was buying these photographs these postcards of Dalton carnival, was it for local people to send out
3: oh, I see you at the time, yeah, it, so yeah, I think that would be it, wouldn't it be look look what we got up to mm-hmm. um, I mean these local every town had a postcard manufacturer because every town had a photographer,
4: yeah, and, and it's a were, real interesting bit own. of sort of local industry as well. I'm amazed at the tininess of some of the villages that had a photographer yes. and postcard maker. And it often, in the very early days, it was often the chemist would also be a photographer because right. they had access to the chemicals yes. for photography. Uh, but later on, it became the news agent because they could retail the postcards that they made.
3: Probably better placed, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and probably new printers better. or Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. And so the, the cards that were produced contemporaneous to this image would they, were they um, what they call real photographic cards? They printed up as, as photographs, or do you think they were printed with a, a, a more complicated printing technique? But you may not know.
4: I don't know. I mean, these this is a reprint yes. of what was possibly, probably a postcard oh, in the first place. Oh, produced for that? Um, and this one's a colour type, but, um, yeah, it's hard to tell from the digitised image.
3: Yeah, OK, because you're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're another step along the thing. <laughs> it amuses me because the image of... They're very much posing. Although there's an, an element of um, being caught in in the moment, they're far from it. They're they are absolutely posing for the camera because that's what you have to do. And I mean, exposures were still relatively long then as well. You had to stand pretty still, I think, didn't you?
4: Yeah, and they, he managed to get... or Yeah, the photographer managed to get the dog and the horses still as well, so it must have been it was probably three or four attempts to get that, I think
3: (laughs) It reminds me of the cards that I I, I do like seeing from that era of um, uh, a row of donkeys Mm -hmm. and and someone sort of holding them looking rather scowling, scowling at the camera normally, as they try to keep six donkeys still just long enough <laughs> uh, and and often with blurry people sort of ghost images going by because you can control a certain amount but you can't control everything on a beach uh, yeah no it's it, it's um that's really interesting so how many of the vintage photographs did your father rephotograph
4: 8000
3: 8000 goodness me that's a that's a labor of real importance
4: yeah as i say uh, he started it, but he did have some help um, after a while. George Tucker took a lot of the photographs and there were several archivists who helped record the data. Um, so it is this really incredible archive and it exists as 35mm negatives right. in the archive. Um, it was uh, digitised some decades ago and we're hoping perhaps we can um, do the job again with modern yes, technology because yes. there's such They don't such riches. All these things, do they? Yeah.
3: Every, every, well, nearly every generation thinks they've hit the last word in, in, in sort of archived and, and stable media. And, of course, ten minutes later, you're looking at your microfiche and tutting. <laughs> what the hell were we thinking? This is very true. When your CDs start to gain spots. Yeah, yeah shocking. Well, that's, that's very good. Thank you for taking us on two journeys backwards there. Another quick card from me now. This is... This is um, what have we got here? This is the, the um, uh, uh, Post Office Tower, which is probably visible out the window if we crane our necks. Um, uh, from 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 the uh, iconography of, of old England to uh, what was a, an absolute icon of modern England, um, and uh, this this is a this is from uh, nineteen sixty. 7, is that right? Was it, was it built in 1967? Let's hope I got that right. And it's sent to Mrs Sheldon... No, Mrs Shields, sorry, in Witham, in Essex, from Val. Val, who gives four kisses, so she's a very affectionate person. And it's it's the post office tower by night. Um, and there's not a lot of tall buildings around it. There are more now, I think, really. Um, but it's still a, an icon of the London skyline. And uh, she says, my darling... Row, maybe it's row. Be short for row. Row. Don't know. I genuinely prefer Liverpool Cathedral, <laughs> but at least <laughs> this is lit up, which is more than I can say after today's meetings. Home soon, all my love, Val. So, I mean, I don't know. When I see a building, I don't normally just give a comparison of something I, I like more. It seems a bit cruel to me, you know. You go to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I prefer the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> but um, anyway, Liverpool, oh, Liverpool Cathedral was very new then, I suppose. It would just been finished. So maybe she was doing a tour of um, modern white heater technology <laughs> kind of uh, icons of Britain. I don't know. I don't know.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.
0: That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: You're listening to Podcast from the Past, Postcard Podcast. Uh, My guest today is Ella Revillius. Now, here's a surprise. We've received a postcard, and it's um, a postcard from the New Forest in Hampshire. It's uh, two uh, horses. Uh, We've had horses, more horses. Um, One is uh, eating and one is a little foal that's lying on the ground in the sunshine. Very nice. And it says, Would you please play for my two grandsons' birthday Snoopy versus the Red Baron? Duncan will be two on June the 13th and Sean will be five on July the 13th. They are both very good boys and have brought my husband and myself a lot of happiness. Here's hoping the 13th will be lucky for us again. Thank you, Jay McCausland. Well, I'm sorry, Jay McCausland, we don't take requests. Now, Ella, let's get back to the postcard stories. Let's go to the second card you've brought along. Now, this is again connected with your father, James Revillius. This is one of his?
4: Yes, this is a photograph he took himself in the Great Blizzard of 1978. Ah. Uh, so February 1978 in wow. the West Country was this incredibly heavy Snowstorm.
3: Right. It's I don't red- remember this. Was it mainly the West countries that got affected? Yeah, was- I don't remember 1978
4: very well, but- <laughs> It was particularly the West Country, right. but it was really, really notable, wow. yeah. Um, people still talk about it. And my dad was going out phot- photographing just every day. He found it so Brilliant. incredibly um, rich for photography. But the snow was so deep. Um, so Devon has very narrow, overgrown roads with re- right. really high, thick hedges. And he recorded he had to walk on top of the hedges because if he stepped off, he'd just land in Into this Into a sort of
3: Canadian-style snowdrift. Style snow exactly, drift. Amazing. Yeah. Uh,
4: so he took this photograph. And uh, this is... Uh, see, for me, I look at this image and I can see things that aren't there. I can see... You should,
3: you should describe it as you do. So,
4: so it's uh, a man in the snow uh, with a flat cap and a big sort of great coat that's tied with um, bailer twine and he's holding a wisp of straw he's in the deep snow and to,
3: beyond his knees that's it yeah
4: and he's uh, he's got a lamb holding it by the front leg in in one hand and the worried ewe is the other side oh. of him and he's just dug them out of a snow drift uh, in this great blizzard unfortunately they're, they're um devon longwalls i think right uh, they were his neighbour's sheep. OK. And unfortunately, the lamb didn't make it. Oh,
3: goodness me. Is that, is that apparent? I suppose you can't tell, but you know. Yeah,
4: I think that's the ewe. I think they were stuck together oh. for several days uh, in this incredibly deep snow. But what isn't in the image, but what I can see, is I know that behind the camera is not only a very cold photographer <laughs> with a lot of kit on him... Yeah. and. Uh, Gloves with one finger cut off so he can press Still the, get to the... camera, <laughs> yeah. right? And then behind that is the cottage that I grew up in. Oh, that's and where it is. Yeah, yeah. So this was in front of our house. Because so I, I it
3: looks like it's in the middle of nowhere
4: well, from that angle
3: because it's just white out, isn't it?
4: Yeah, we were we were yes, we in
3: nowhere.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm seeing all these things that, that aren't there. I'm seeing around the edges of, yes. of the photograph.
3: Well, and, and only you and, and your close relatives would see that, really. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. And it really... I mean, I, I wasn't born when this was taken, but there was still Ivor Brock and people like him around when I was small. And there was definitely a kind of uniform of, um, you know, the ratty wool, big sort of... Probably an army greatcoat. Yes. Um, tied with string, because in case you might need a bit of twine <laughs> while oh, you were up... got
3: it handy, yeah. Yeah,
4: but also to keep it closed. And the flat cap and um, probably a pipe... In his pocket. Um,
3: in itself, that feels. this all feels like a very distant past, doesn't it?
4: Well, I know. And, I mean, this is. yeah, this is before high-performance gear. This is, you know, no waterproofs here. He's probably in leather boots.
3: And a woollen coat would get pretty wet and heavy.
4: Exactly, exactly. So this is wow. quite a piece of history, really.
3: And a, a lot of your father's photographs have a documentary feel to them. Often much lighter subjects than this, really, a village life. But this is a this is a moment of drama.
4: Yeah, I'd say he did try and document everything. So it's understandable that the the you know the the lightest ones and the nicest ones are perhaps the best known. Bubble to the surface. He, but but he's he definitely documented um, some more difficult bits of. A village like he just wanted to capture everything. He talked about it as like he was stitching a tapestry right. of everything that was going on. And people would tell him. So he was a very genial guy and he would get talking to people, for example, like the, like the WI meeting. Yeah. And people would tell him what was gonna happen, what was going on, what he might like to photograph. And when he photographed people, we would often go back and give them a print right. of the photograph. Right. And of course, we lived. So this there. wasn't
3: an exploitative process; it was a copy, no. uh, a more shared process. Yeah,
4: we were part of the community. I mean, I went, my brother and I, we went to the local school. We'd see these people in the shop.
3: You couldn't stitch them up. Exactly, really
4: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it wasn't Dad's temperament, but we really yeah. couldn't have done. Yeah. Um, and there were occasionally there were photographs where people. Later, were unhappy about it. You know, say he photographed a marriage, and the marriage didn't work right. out. He w- he would I can't blame him for that. Well, no, but he w- he would respect people's wishes yes. about that photograph. Yeah,
3: well, I, I suppose that, that is the difference between flying in as a war photographer and and being in a community.
4: Exactly, and we were there for you know twenty years. It's not um he definitely wasn't passing through.
3: Yeah. <laughs> very and. and did you tell me the name of this man? Ivor Ive Ivor, as Ivor Brook. Wow.
4: Uh, and this
3: was this was then printed up as a postcard.
4: Yes. This so, is sort of
3: oversized, a sort of modern postcard size.
4: Yeah. So it's published by North Devon Holiday Centre. <laughs> was it? Um, with a credit to the to the Befet Archive, who who own the the work. Um, but it's always struck me as odd because why would you again? Why would you choose this postcard on a shelf? What would you want to be saying to whoever you were sending?
3: So this was 78, you said? Yeah. I suppose... I'm not trying to answer your question. It's a rhetorical question, I know. But I do remember that in the early 80s, there was a real fashion for artistic postcards, postcards Mm -hmm. that had a more of a... uh, And actually, as a result, some of the the views that were taken were were kind of charmless because they were over-filtered and strange. But black-and-white images also were becoming fashionable, so I suppose... (laughs) But actually, this is a pretty brutal image to fit into that category. It's having a great time on my holiday in Devon. <laughs> exactly. Look, a dead lamb. Yeah, yeah. It's not an obvious choice, is it?
4: No, I mean, there are others that are more gentle. There's one that he took, uh, I think, about six days after I was born. And the district nurse has vi- visited our cottage. Oh. And I'm being weighed. <laughs> uh, so I'm sort of in a, in a wrapped in a blanket, you can't see me. And she's got one of those sort of cooking weights that you, oh, you yes, hold yes, up yes. and... The, so I'm at this lump in a blanket. So
3: another one where uh, you know who it is, but yes. other people wouldn't know.
4: Yeah, the, the caption just says, wearing a new baby, but it's it's very me, good. and it's in our house.
0: Oh, love
4: and that. that one is very... I, I always find excuses to send that one to people. Right. But this one, yes. less so, I guess.
3: But it's a stunning shot. It's really, really... And it, it's, it's, you people know, will be able to see if they click on the website, but it has a kind of... That heavy greyness that real snow brings—that that, that it's almost like a wash of grey over the whole thing. It's um, although the images are, are there's a stark starkness to the black and white of it. There's nonetheless, there's this sort of you feel like you can't quite see, you can't quite get through. It's
0: brutal.
4: Well, that was something that he really put work into. So he used a Leica camera, and he was very careful. He didn't crop his images. Right. So he. Oh,
3: okay. Printed as, as taken.
4: Yeah. And he was very... Um, he got very expert in the printing and would deliberately take photos one way in order to print them slightly another. Right, okay. So he's very interested in getting those greys. And he would use pre-war uncoated lenses okay. onto his Leica camera to get a slightly softer, slightly different effect. Interesting. And he kept experimenting. He even built a plate camera. Right. Built, like built... From oh, scratch, a whole right. plate camera, and tried glass plate negatives. He was always experimenting with photographic tech, a real Brilliant. tinkerer. And I remember his camera, like it's got loads of sort of marks and scratches covered in gaffer tape. <laughs> and in fact, mum remembers... If it works. <laughs> my mother remembers that he cut up one of her saucepans to make a fitment, I think for a, maybe for a, a viewfinder or a light meter. Wow.
3: So no, he's he was... in Photography Weekly, I not think.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely customised, yeah. heavily customised his cameras to get the kind of effects that he wanted. I mean, it is an
3: argument. You know, every photograph is an experiment, isn't it, to some extent? So I guess it's sort of in there, if you're a photographer, it is sort of in your, your DNA to keep, you're always trying to do something different. So amazing. amazing. It's actually very classically composed, isn't it, as a, as a, as a frame. It's very, very uh, powerful.
4: Well, he really had this library of other art in his head all of the time. So here, he would have, I mean, he was very inspired with the printmaker Samuel Palmer. Oh, yeah. Um, so there were photographers that inspired him, like Henry Cartier-Bresson, but he also had this library of much, um, you know, of painters, of printmakers, and uh, people like Samuel Palmer, he would have been thinking of particular works by him and composing his shots. He, he wanted that silveryness that okay, you get in yes, Samuel yes. Palmer.
3: Yes. engravings particularly and a kind of uh, a mystical rural tradition as well really
4: yeah yeah
3: amazing amazing well uh, uh, ella thank you for um for sharing the one of the worst nights <laughs> of north devon's history really that was a terrible uh, terrible time but that really interesting and and the sort of the way these bounce across different time it, bits of time is, is is fascinating really good um I would say the same thing. I never know where the cards will send us. Um, I'm delighted that you, you brought them along and, and shared them with, with me and with the listeners. Um, and and uh, people at home, you will be very keen to see these images, I know. So if you go to the website, uh, postcraftonthepast.co.uk, you'll be able to see the cards I've got and and Ella's cards from James Rebilius. Um Now, before we let Ella out into much better weather... Um, very warm sunshine today. Um, it is a, a habit of ours to end the show with one of these. So I'm just going to pass this across to Ella to have a look at. So what wow. have we got there? Perhaps you could share with your, your thoughts with our listeners. So
4: it's not a postcard, as well, far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it it's, I beg to differ, it, but... it's, it's larger than a normal postcard. That's true. It's a coloured print... Of two Russian young women, Hungarian. Hungarian, okay. You're
3: going to catalogue this, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
4: And it looks like it might be a record. I can see grooves on it, it. and there's a yeah, there's a hole in the centre of the image
3: for the spindle. Um, And so it it is a postcard. It's it's a it's a musical postcard, Wow. um, where the 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 grooves have been stamped onto the sort of little thin layer of uh, gloss on the on the card itself. Now, um, young Tom next door from Wardour Studios has had advanced sight of this, and he has, I think, made a digital file of it. And we can see what the postcard sounds like. Bit of crackle. That's, that's a good start. Oh! Oh, they're singing. <laughs> So they're spinning women. I think they've... They've been spinning hemp and flax on the long winter evenings. Um, young girls gathered by tens or dozens in a group. Well, Anyway, it's, it's, it's a, a, another image of rural life, in a, <laughs> a different place and a different time. But you're right, we'd have trouble writing. The writing does more or less cover it, so if, as a postcard, it's perhaps pushing our luck a bit. <laughs> you're, you're probably right there. So it does say, with compliments of, maybe that counts.
4: And is Colourvox the brand?
3: Yes, yes, Colourvox made a lot of these... Um, there were a few companies who made these postcards out of cardboard.
4: I've never seen one before.
3: Oh. <laughs> don't, they don't crop up every day, but uh, <laughs> there's one or two in in my... I wouldn't call that an archive, but in, in the boxes.
4: It's amazing.
3: Well, as the hosho spinners, continue to spin at 45 rpm that's it for this time on Podcasts from the past i very much like to thank my first class guest for sharing the postcards from her past ella Ravilius. ella thank you thank you and thank you for listening bye for now you can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on twitter do follow me at past postcard and you can buy the book postcard from the past by me tom jackson at amazon and all good booksellers and if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk.